Hello, welcome to another recording of Franklin Faith Forum. I'm Pandora Carlucci, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Horgan. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Pandora. How are you? I'm doing well, and how are you? And the same. The same. I'm glad we're back after a little hiatus due to real life kind of getting in the way, but it's exciting to be back doing the show. I agree. Sometimes life does happen, and we circle around, but we eventually come back to the studio, and here we are. And speaking of life, our topic for today is going to be on lightness and darkness. And for those of you who are in Franklin, if you haven't had an opportunity to stroll along Main Street and experience the lightness that is happening between the town common all the way along Main Street, past the library, through Down College, by Dean College, through our downtown businesses, take a moment to do so. It is fully illuminated, the trees, the lights, the uh, street lights. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's a nice way to just enjoy the darkness that happens every winter. It is. It is um, every year when they light everything up, it's amazing the job that they do. Because I'm sure it's not an easy task, especially around here with the weather we've had, uh, that folks, I believe it's the DPW that does all of it, at least most of it. But they do a tremendous job. They do, and their, their, their treks were out, and crews were working for a number of days, restringing trees, making sure everything was, was safe, and everything fully illuminated. I think there was help from the hockey team on Saturday of the Thanksgiving weekend with the decorating of the town common. They've done that, I think, for several years now. That was kind of uh, their way of giving back. Their coach is a retired police officer in town. So he, I remember him pushing it uh, years mm -hmm. ago and, and the kids do, doing a great job and they put in a full day of work over there. They do. And then the uh, beautification committee and the garden club and the downtown partnership and lots of high school and middle school students. It really is a community effort. So if you have a moment um, after dark <laughs> to <laughs> stroll along Main Street, enjoy it. As usual, we're joined by our faith leaders and we have Reverend Doreen Auten from the Franklin Federated Church, Rabbi Tom Alpert from Temple at Siam, and Pastor Jacob Yunker from the Franklin United Methodist Church. And um, I'm going to let you go around and give us a quick update because it's been a few months since we've met as a, a team. And, um, and if I may, since uh, Reverend Arton, since I introduced you first, would you be so kind as to lead off this conversation? I would be happy to. Thank you, Thank you Pandora. Yes, I, it was a very... Um, quiet summer. It was easy. We did worship in a slightly different way. So it was quite the, like you say, life getting lifey to to gear back up into the program year mode. Um, I just, I'm just in love with my congregation. I mean, they're just, uh, they show up for so many things. They, they are so interested in the community and, they, and they're so sweet to me. I had my one year anniversary and they presented me with a card and flowers and, and a, a gift book. And I said, that's a high bar to set. Um, they 
the thrift shop is thriving. Uh, it's a far bigger success than we had even hoped, and not just in terms of fundraising for the church, but also a ministry to the community. We talked in our Franklin Interfaith Council meeting this morning that there's a need for certain sizes of clothes. And one of my members and I got right over there this morning. My car is full, Jacob. I'm going to drop it off at your church after. But they're just so interested in the community. And um, we're, we're getting ready for Christmas. The sanctuary is all decorated. We'll have a Christmas Eve service at 7 p.m. And also on the morning of the 24th, which is a Sunday at 10 a.m., family-focused, family-friendly Christmas worship. Reverend Doreen, I know it's not our topic, but can you just talk briefly a little bit more about the clothing yes. that you mentioned, the, the drive, the need for clothing? Yes. So for the humanitarian crisis, for the people being sheltered at the Best Western, the Franklin Interfaith Council has taken on the task of organizing donations. And so we have the donations started being dropped off at the at actually at my back porch. <laughs> And we figured that because we weren't sure what it was going to look like to distribute the clothing. So I didn't know if I'd be bringing it up all up to the hotel at some point. But that was not going to be an effective way to distribute. So we've moved the clothes to United Methodist Church now is the sorting area. and But we also collect through St. Mary's all kinds of other diapers and feminine hygiene products and so forth. So we've been, the, the Franklin Interfaith Council has been amazing. We meet every week now to, to talk about what the needs are for the people at the hotel and coordinating with the town, with the hotel workers, and just trying to bring, bring the love into that situation. It, uh, if yeah. people want to donate, mm -hmm. is there anything specific or you're just taking any kind of clothing or... On the website of Franklin Interfaith Council, there is an updated week, weekly list of what the needs are. Right now, there are specifics, some specific clothing needs, which actually will need to be reassessed soon. But right now, the, anything goes with clothing is not... Okay. That's uh, correct. Yes, yeah. we, we have a glut. We, um, so when we started combining all the donations together, there were, um, I think, the final total when it all got in in that first week was about 21 car loads and truck loads of clothing that came to the Franklin United Methodist Church. Wow. Oh, my. Um, yeah, it was a lot, and it was wow. very overwhelming. Uh, that was the consolidation phase. And so we are starting by the end of the current week we are in of recording. Um, by the end of this week, we should be done giving the first round of clothing to every single person uh, that is currently in the emergency shelter, which is about 300 individuals. It's taken us about three weeks, two, really two weeks of real packing to get that amount of stuff out. So there is a, as we've worked through sorting those donations and just getting them distributed, there is a glut of some things and a shortage of others. At present, just to kind of clear the air, please, please, please do not drop off any furniture items or toys. Mm. But clothing is still uh, needed, and some of the shortages, which I suspect will still be the case when this airs, uh, is 3T and 4T kids' clothes and men's and women's pants of all sizes. The other need that will not go away is the need for brand new underwear and socks of all sizes. Mm. But children as and adults? Children and adults. Okay. But as Doreen mentioned, the, there's an updated post 
roughly every week that goes out on the Franklin Interfaith website, giving an update not only on the donations that are needed, but also information about other programmatic offerings that the Interfaith Council is doing. So Reverend Kathy McAdams is running an after-school program. To find out more information, you can go to that post on our and website. And the website for, to go to is? FranklinInterfaith.org. That's a great place to get all of that information. You can also make financial contributions through the website as well. And that's the website franklininterfaith.org, is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Or uh, checks could also be mailed to me, Doreen Otten, at Franklin Federated Church. That's great. Written out yes. to Franklin <laughs> Interfaith. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That that's yes. that's great. What if uh, and uh, we're totally sidetracked now. I apologize. That's all right. We're all, we're that. gonna have to get to this, so let's do it uh, now. <laughs> if someone wanted to purchase underwear and socks because you want them obviously new, easy way to do that is Amazon can get everything there. Can we have them delivered to your location? They should be- your location. Your head looked across the table. That doesn't work in radio (laughs) there, Jay. No one has Um, any clue what I'm doing, which is normal. It would be. (laughs) The Franklin United Methodist Church has received packages, so that could be done. So if someone wanted to make a bulk order of something and have it delivered, uh, in in particular, underwear and socks, I would really prefer nothing else be ordered and shipped to the church. Right. Um, That could be shipped to... If you just ship it to the Franklin United Methodist Church, the street address is 82 West Central Street, Franklin, Mass, 02038. It's so easy to uh, do that. It is, and donations are able to be dropped off at the church uh, anytime between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. on a non-holiday weekday. Non-holiday. Okay. I'm just taking notes. Yeah, Sorry the, we that. needed to talk no. about that, so that's I a appa- perfect oh, thing. Well, I'm yes. glad we did. That's, that's a huge thing at... As we're sitting here outside, it feels like it's about 12 degrees yeah, right yeah. now. Uh, so I'm sure you, you really could use stuff. Yeah, we're providing winter clothing, winter hats, and a full wardrobes to every individual okay. uh, in the emergency shelter. So it is a, a massive amount of stuff that's going out regularly. They, um, you said pants of any size, because I have a full range of pants Due to COVID and sitting around, my sizes go from way up to way small. (laughs) I might be able to take care of all your needs. (laughs) Okay, sorry about that, Pandora. This is actually good information. I have read the updates in addition to what you have on the um, Interfaith Council website. You also have posted to Facebook. And so I think it's it's available to everyone in Franklin and to know specific things in terms of of already gently worn clothing as well as brand new clothing needs. And so that gives people an idea of what to do and that we can drop them off at the United Methodist Church on a non-holiday between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. And you said 82 West Central Street as the address of the church. So that's good. And you, you pull right in. And if you're not familiar with the municipal address, it is located next door to the historical museum. So it's it's that mm. parking lot that you would pull into. The museum will be on your left. The United Methodist Church is on your right. And parking is right there. So it makes the drop-off easy. And as uh, 
Another ministry of the Franklin Interfaith Council is fuel assistance for any Franklin resident that we worked with St. Vincent de Paul for that. But any donations to that fund, the fuel assistance fund, can be sent by donation on the website again or a check made out to Franklin Interfaith Council noted fuel assistance and mailed to the Franklin Federated Church and I'll get that. For That's anyone, good. we've mentioned this on the past, but for anyone who may need access or need fuel assistance themselves, you can contact uh, St. Vincent de Paul at St. Mary's or mm -hmm. any of the clergy mm -hmm. in the Interfaith Council. Mm -hmm. And you, you do not have to be a member of one of the houses of worship. This Absolutely is open not. to all Franklin uh, residents in need. Yes, Correct. our neighbors, as they yes, refer neighbors to in need. St. Vincent de Paul, right, our neighbors. All right, well, thank you for the wonderful update, uh, Reverend Doreen, and for giving us a platform to discuss a number of other uh, needs and ways that we can actively support uh, our fellow residents in Franklin. And so now I'm going to turn to um, Pastor Jacob and ask him if he'll give us an update on the United Methodist Church. Sure. Circling back real quick, because I almost forgot in terms of the interfaith effort at the emergency shelter, there are opportunities to volunteer and not just donate. All that information is also on the Interfaith Council website, franklininterfaith.org. <laughs> At the Franklin United Methodist Church, much like at the Federated Church, we're rolling into the Advent and Christmas season. Through Advent this year, we are doing a sermon series I've entitled Spoiler Alert, and we are looking at classic Christmas movies. Uh, and so uh, the four movies are Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, and The Bishop's Wife. All of those movies are from the 40s and 50s, not the newer versions of those movies. So we'll be looking at those and talking about how they relate to the classic Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, that's Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in person at the church and online via Google Meet and or our YouTube streaming on our YouTube channel. For Christmas Eve, our schedule, I didn't realize this, will be identical to that at the Federated Church. We have 10 a.m. worship, and we'll be doing a 7 p.m. service. Our 10 a.m. service will be a carryover to Advent, but we'll bleed into Christmas at the end of it. And then our 7 p.m. service will be the more traditional service of lessons and carols and candle lighting. Uh, so that, uh, that is the update there. The one last update I have to share, we've talked about this several times, is we are moving forward with a capital campaign. So you'll hear more about that in the coming months from me on this, you know, as we do the, more of the radio shows. But I do want to say, in the interim of when we've last recorded, we had an issue in our sanctuary where a portion of our ceiling fell down. And uh, that is f going to be fixed uh, in the month of December. The work is slated to start the second to last week of December. Uh, that will disrupt a little bit where we worship for Christmas Eve. Uh, so just so people are, are aware of that, we are still worshiping in our building, and you'll still be able to find us, but it will not be in our, our sanctuary uh, in particular for Christmas Eve, at least at this point. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's not always the easiest thing to share, but, but on the positive lens that it is being repaired, it's a historic structure, it's a beautiful sanctuary, and... It will be nice to return to it. It I'm will. I'm thinking. 
It will. The challenge was out, out for Christmas or out for Easter, and the decision was to not be in for Christmas so that we could be in the facility for Easter. So. Very good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Very much. Um, Rabbi Tom, thank you for bringing uh, this section up and uh, closing it full circle. And uh, we look forward to hearing what is happening at the temple these days. Well, it has been one of our most difficult times the last uh, couple of months uh, since the Hamas terrorist attack that killed more Jews on any, at any one time than have been killed since the Holocaust, and not just killed, but brutalized, uh, uh, sadistically uh, um, attacked, raped, you name it, uh, children killed in front of their parents, parents killed in front of their children, children and parents kept hostage, hostages released where children are released and parents are kept behind. It, it's been, you know, so we are processing that, we're processing the massive, massive uh, uh, rise, uh, 300, 400 percent of uh, anti-Semitic incidents in this country, uh, throughout Europe. Uh, the vast majority of Jewish college students say they don't feel safe on campus. It has been, um, um, it has been incredibly difficult for us. It's been difficult for everybody in our congregation. Uh, people are in, in, um, are in need. Uh, they are in need. And it has been, uh, it's been really hard. And that's, you know, people say, how are you uh, to, to any Jewish professional? The response is, there's no, it's no good. It's like, yeah, how am I under the circumstances? Because the circumstances are just horrific. So um, that's you know, been dominant uh, and we're, we're dealing with it. Our, our people are dealing with it. We had... Uh, memorial service shortly afterwards we had we've had you know been trying to do several things we've tied uh, anyone who comes by the temple will see a bunch of blue ribbons tied around our trees uh, um, to asking to bring the hostages home so uh, we're going to try to get that out more and more um, in the community if you have a blue ribbon you want to tie it around your tree that'd be lovely um, so uh, that's been our big focus but yeah it is we nonetheless continue on, and uh, there are things happening in our community that are quite wonderful. For Hanukkah on um, Friday, December 9th at Beaver Pond, we will continue our tradition that we started during COVID. As a started off as a way of doing something that was um, uh, allowed us to have some uh, social distancing, and then everybody loved it, and we just kept doing it. Our Hanukkah lights at night, where we uh, set uh, little uh, candles off and uh, on. Uh, you know, in vessels and into the into Beaver Pond, and uh, you know we and there's food and there's singing and there's a menorah lighting. Uh, so that's that's always special, and uh, we encourage people to join us. As I said, uh, Beaver Pond on um, Saturday, December 9th at five o'clock. Um, uh, we think it should be a wonderful time, and uh, uh, one way to put some light into the darkness. I remember the first year that you were looking to do this at Beaver Pond, and we were all struggling uh, thinking about the various holiday seasons that were coming up and how do we support one another. And there were so many different ways of doing this, and mm -hmm. this is one. Uh, and, and it's continued because the first part of your sharing, so difficult, and we all 
cannot begin to imagine the breadth and scope of the horror, the fully imagine it. But I'm, but you're sharing also that as you work through this with prayer, with thought, with the some of the steps that you are taking, that you are also taking a moment to, as you said, celebrate the lightness in life. Yeah. And I, I don't know how you, the juxtaposition of the two seems so difficult. How is that working? How are you working with your congregation on that? Well, we've had several thousand years of practice. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, you just, you know, you just have to. You just have to. Uh, it's 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 an awful time, you know, for the whole area around Israel. Of course, the the war in Gaza that I feel is necessary, but in any event, is certainly awful that it's having to happen. Is is terrible, and there's a. It's just it's tough. But you know, we also know that if we uh, if we cannot celebrate life, then then darkness has won, and so we will just not let that happen. Um, by the way, anybody who would like to come is welcome. You do not have to be Jewish to join us for the uh, Hanukkah lights at night. You actually don't have to be Jewish to ever to come to anything at the synagogue, but uh, that in particular would be a fun thing. So if people just want to see what it's like to see menorahs lit and uh, and uh, candles sent out on the water and just think it would be fun to have some, uh, you know, some food and hang out and be supportive of uh, the community, we'd love to have you. I think that's uh, just echoing what Pandora said, the uh, juggling of emotions and, you know, how you are able to concentrate on bringing the light to your congregation, but to Beaver Pond, what, whatever it may be, while you're having to deal with all this, yeah. I, I just, as Pandora said, I couldn't imagine. But you were able to do it. It helps to have uh, support. The, the Interfaith Council gave a strong statement of support, which we appreciated. Um, I had a, a woman come from complete, had no connection to our congregation at all, lives up in Milford, a uh, uh, Christian woman who came in and said that in her family, uh, uh, coffee was their way of welcoming people, and she dropped off several pounds of coffee and mugs for our congregation. Uh, she'd done the same for uh, the synagogue up in Holliston, just the, to say, you must feel alone. We don't want you to feel alone. And those things just matter. So, yeah, um, yeah. They, they certainly do matter. Uh, it can make a difference in someone's day, you know, when it, I'm sure something like that, the, the woman bringing that mm. stuff, no matter what kind of day you were having, you had yeah. to feel pretty good. Yeah. It, it, uh, All things considered. I'm rarely speechless, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good to hear. It's good to hear yeah. that even at the local level, you're getting support, not just from the Interfaith Council, but also uh, individuals. That, yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. So our topic, even though we've kind of gone off the rails a couple of times here is lightness and darkness um, and we'll start with Pastor Jacob because he kind of put this month's outline together so we'll put him on the spot and start with him in terms of 
I think we're talking about how it affects individuals in your congregation, different things, and what lightness and darkness symbolically, and that's a really big word for me. I'm surprised I got it out. <laughs> I'm proud of I'm proud of you. So this is Keith, good. make sure to mark the recording at that. I want to save it. Uh, but it, it has all different uh, kinds of meanings for you folks. Well, the I think it is not surprising in a very general sense that as the days get shorter in the northern hemisphere, that the bulk of religions um, that originated in this hemisphere have holidays around that time as humans tried had to deal with what do these lengthening days mean and they have and the longer night sorry i said that wrong <laughs> not lengthening days longer nights <laughs> um uh what what does that mean because the longer nights the lengthening shadows that's what i meant to say uh, the lengthening shadows really affect us all of us as human beings you don't have to have faith or not the darkness does tend to drag us down and arguably many of the holidays celebrated around this time of year then play on that on that um, imagery of lightness and darkness and so thought it might would be a nice conversation we've kind of already dipped our toes into it a little bit of what does that interplay look like you know I think for the most part we tend to think of darkness as negative emotions things that draw us down and for the most part in the Christian tradition that tends to be the case however there is a nice tension between the kind of chaos and fear and anxiety of darkness, but also darkness as a place of cre a creative space. So it's in the darkness, in the void that God began to create. It's in the darkness of a womb that human life emerges. Uh, and so there is a tension there of darkness being this unnerv unnerving space, but also a creative space from which life and light emerge. Uh, and so I thought it might would be helpful for us to talk about that our traditions, uh, the traditions around this table, all have that interplay uh, in varying degrees. And I mean, just to keep the conversation rolling, I would love to hear Tom give us a nice summation of Hanukkah and the way the mm -hmm. the story that that mm -hmm. the holiday revolves around, but also the interplay then of what the light symbolizes. Right. Good. So, um, you know, Hanukkah is an interesting holiday. It's uh, in Judaism, it's referred to as a minor holiday, but that's a technical term. It just means it's not referenced in the Torah. It comes later. Uh, it doesn't mean it's unimportant. It is important, and it's important for a few reasons. So, historically, th th this holiday has a very clear historical setting. There's there's no question that a chunk of the stuff that is recalled in the holiday absolutely happened, and that is that um, the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great, Alexander. For those who don't remember all of their ancient history, 
conquered much of what was then the known world and died and did not leave heirs. And so his various, basically his various generals took a ch each took a different portion. And the area that is now Israel was ruled by um, the, the, a dynasty that was based in Syria, but they were all Greeks, okay? And the story is that the leader of this dynasty, uh, King Antiochus, Antiochus IV, had decided that um, had decided to have a position of intolerance to uh, a any monotheistic religion, namely Judaism, uh, and um, a rebellion broke out among Jews who didn't like not being allowed to practice. And um, despite being a very small group of people against a massive empire, they managed to uh, have a victory. Uh, and uh, so part of what Hanukkah celebrates in terms of, uh, of light and darkness is the triumph of uh, the, the powerless against the powerful, which is not a small thing. So then we get to the part that is... Uh, you know, for which the documentation isn't there, but is central to the Hanukkah story, which is that when the uh, troops of, uh, of uh, the Maccabees, that's the name of the family who led the rebellion, when the, the troops of the Maccabees came and reconquered the temple, which had been defiled and turned into a, you know, a, a, a pagan shrine, um, and they started to clean it up and fix everything up, the temple was there was supposed to be there was supposed to be oil lamps burning continuously, and it was not just any oil it needed to be sacred oil and uh, you know and that required a certain number of days to produce it not because the oil needed to be produced but because the people dealing with it could not have had anything to do with warfare for a period of time mm -hmm. and of course they'd all been around blood so it was going to take eight days uh, to get. A new supply of oil, another week, basically. They they found one little jar of oil, one cruise of oil that was uh, uh, that was enough to last for one night, and uh, one day, and they decided, well, let's let's put it in there and light it, and then the story is the oil lasted not just for one day but lasted for eight days, and so that's one of the reasons we continue to that we have an eight day. Hanukkah holiday w with lights each night. And by the way, some rabbis have noted that the miracle was not that the oil lasted eight days. The miracle was that they took a chance that the oil might last eight days, that they were willing to um, mm. live with hope, mm. uh, which is um, interesting. Uh, which is its own kind of miracle. Use what you have instead of hoarding, right? And, yes. and to take and yes. to just hope and just put it have faith that something will work out if mm. you don't if you don't just give up, giving up from the start and saying, "Oh no, it was, it's never going to work," is the easy answer and invariably not the one we should be following. I really appreciate that detail because, uh, as a person who is not of the Jewish faith, I've heard the story of the oil and the eight days, but never through the lens of the faith, of the taking the, the chance, that's mm. just, it broadens the story and, and the importance of the event. Thank mm. you.
Please, please go on. I just, I, I just, I just had to comment. I, at this point, would like to hear from uh, Reverend Otten about uh, light, some more about light in Christianity, and particularly from your specific tradition at the at the, the Federated Church, your your combined Baptist and mm. uh, Congregationalist traditions. Well, this is the problem of having two mainstream Protestant <laughs> people on this forum is what he said, right? Um, but, but I also, you know, I've been involved in a lot of anti-racism work, so I'm sensitive to using too much the contrast of light as good and dark as bad. And, and, and I like um, the term of shadow, shadow times. And I also really appreciate the, um, the nuances that, that Jacob brought up, which is, you know, the the unknowing of the dark can be ignorance or it can be mystery and wonder and humility. Uh, and, and again, a creative space he talked about, but also the the good things we find in the shadows. And, and also, like you say, that contrast, I, I think one of my favorite lines of scripture is, you know, a candle was lit in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. And so we can't see those beautiful lit up trees until it's dark, right? We can't see the stars in the sky until it's dark. So just um, really appreciating that time. And I know when the clocks were turned back a couple of weeks ago, oh, everyone was, oh, it's dark so early. But part of me was like, oh, I get to just put on my jammies earlier and snuggle in. Rest, right? Rest. The, the, the longer nights mean more, could mean more rest. And don't we all need to slow down and take more rest? And so, yes, so as, as Jacob said, there's the four weeks of Advent include the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And those, we have an Advent wreath, and those candles are lit consecutively, you know, one at a time. And, and again, just focusing on each of those themes. Uh, why yeah. is Advent a four-week celebration? Why is, the count, why is Advent four weeks? Oh, so I do know the answer yay. to this. <laughs> <laughs> So the primary kind of high holy season within Christianity is Easter. Mm -hmm. And the season before Easter is a 40-day celebration to mm -hmm. originally set up so that you could um, educate converts into the faith and then on Easter baptize them. Mm -hmm. It became a tradition pretty early on to say, well, wait, that's not an... We have more people. We need to do this more than one time a year. Mm -hmm. And so it actually became the tradition, uh, Epiphany was actually a bigger celebration, which is the celebration of the arrival of the Magi mm -hmm. to um, visit Jesus. Mm -hmm. He would have been about two years old. Mm -hmm. um, and so what they did is we said, well, we, Christmas and Easter kind of juxtaposed roughly mm -hmm. several months apart, almost mm -hmm. in theory, half a year, although it's never that far mm -hmm. apart. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they took 40 days back from Epiphany, uh, which gets you four weeks back from Christmas. Mm -hmm. Ah, gotcha. Thank you. Uh, and so it is not so much a traditional time for us to think about Christmas and Epiphany isn't always a time for us to think about baptism and the, you know, training people in the faith. But mm -hmm. that is where that tradition started. Gotcha. And it has carried on as a way uh, that opportunity for preparing for the arrival of the birth of Christ has has stuck even though we don't mm -hmm. do the mm -hmm. the baptism piece quite mm -hmm. as much anymore. Right. Thank you. And Advent yeah. kicks off a new a new liturgical year for the yeah. Christian tradition. Um, 
So that means we focus on a different gospel each of this three uh, three years, three <laughs> liturgical mm-hmm. years, basically, yeah. that we cycle through. So we're just moving into year B, mm-hmm. yeah. which focuses on the gospel of Mark. Yeah, and, and again, the the scriptural focus of, of Advent is... It's tough. It's not. It's yeah. not. Yay! The baby came. It's, it's the shadow times, um, end times, waiting. What it means to wait. What it means to long for mm-hmm. something. The hope, right? To to mm-hmm. keep the hope alive. Yeah, I think that's. If we think about what these holidays might mean for our community, I think that's that's a helpful message, kind of in the time we're in right now. Mm-hmm because there's a lot going on and it's overwhelming. And I think we can all relate to that, the shadows lengthening, this feeling of, oh my gosh, it, it's gotta get better sometime, right? Mm-hmm. It's can't, how much worse can it get? I think mm-hmm. there is some sense of, these holidays really do speak to the moment, the mm-hmm. days quite literally and figuratively, seem awfully dark if we allow ourselves to get consumed. And I think the contrast to the secular Christmas is important, too, where it's the the consumerism, the shopping, the preparing, the gift focus, and sometimes forced merriment and jolliness, which, which is really hard for people, especially in grief or in hard times. And I just, I just think faith houses offer such a contrast to that, such a meaningful, rich, deep exploration of these themes of shadow and light and, and so forth. One of the, I wanted to make sure we got to this question, so this kind of leads nicely into of maybe part, a, kind of a deep theological thing and then the conversation. I don't think darkness actually exists would be a theological statement I would like to just throw out there. The only darkness is simply the absence of light. Um, and we can debate that. That's a philosophical statement, right? But, um, but I, I think it leads into a conversation that we can all agree to, and that is how do we allow the light to shine or in, and or spread the light and or whatever? So what does it mean to combat the shadow or at least make the shadow less unnerving and fearful? So um, there was a great Hasidic master by the name of Nachman from Bratslav, uh, Breslov. And Nachman had a really tough life. The, his community was, the Jewish community, and this was in the late 18th, early 19th century, was, you know, beset with pogroms and, and attacks. Things were, you know, and, and the communication was such that now, even if your community wasn't getting attacked, you were hearing about other communities, and so that was happening. Meanwhile, Nachman himself uh, had a, a difficult life. He, he, he had family members who died young and all with diseases. He himself uh, struggled constantly with bipolar disorder. Uh, it was It was just, it was really hard. And one time when something really terrible that happened is his disciples came to him and told him this and they expect and he was silent for a really long time i mean a really long time and they were trying to figure out what was going on and he said 
he finally started to speak and he said, I know, I know what you want. I know you want me to cry out, but I'm not going to do it. And he said, there is no such thing as despair. Is that your same oh. point, Jacob? There is no such thing as despair. Um, and the, you know, that, and he then started to, to sing a wordless melody. And it is the music, it is the, it is our unwillingness to accept despair. He famously said that uh, the whole world is a narrow bridge. That's to say, you know, there's stuff happening on both sides that you could fall off. And the important thing, the most important thing is not to be afraid. Yeah. Just, you know, to, to say, yeah, it's there. And what we're going to do is um, to respond is we are just going to overcome. We will not let despair be our lives. I, I find this so fascinating, uh, a discussion. You know, it, it, listening to Jacob speak just a moment ago and what uh, Rabbi Tom had talked about earlier, there are some people, uh, and, and Jacob, you put it in kind of your outline, that feel the darkness or the absence of light is getting worse, getting whatever you want to call it. Why do you think that's happening now? Or what are you doing to combat it? I think it is. And e you have 12 seconds. I think it is easy there. I got it. I think it is very easy to think of the darkness as all consuming. But the reality is, and this is speaking in big metaphor, but the reality is, is all you have to do is light a candle and the darkness is pushed back. I think we sometimes get in our head that fear and anxiety really can provide a, a big weight, but kind of building on what Tom mentioned, if just one person or whatever, even one thought we might have could remind us of the good to take the next step to have the confidence to say, hey, whatever's going on around me, I can, I can do this. I can move just one more um, step forward then the weight becomes just a little less. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as, and then that movement inspires others. Uh, I think that's the beauty. Um, most of the churches in our area do some sort of candle lighting of some sort on Christmas Eve. That is the beauty of that moment, to see in the darkness of a room, a single candle shining, and then it make its way down the aisle way and everyone lights a candle off of it until the whole room is lit mm -hmm. from that one candle that's so I, I can understand why it's all consuming but it is also um it can also be combated by surrounding oneself with others who continue to support and help you move forward right. and i i don't I haven't heard the word yet this morning, but love is the thing. Love is the light that is passed, right? Loving acts, loving thoughts, um, loving words is is what we're trying to spread. Yeah. I'll say a, tell a little story of Jewish ritual that I think illustrates what we've been talking about. So if you've ever seen a menorah lighting, Hanukkah menorah lighting, uh, you notice that there's you add a, a candle a, a light each night 
Well, the first time we read about Hanukkah in the Talmud, sixth century tract of Jewish practice and, and various other things, um, they report a conversation between two early uh, rabbinic schools, the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. And the discussion they were having is, what's the right way to light the Hanukkah menorah? Should you add a candle each night going from one to eight, or should you start with eight and take one off each night? Uh, the school of Shammai, uh, spoiler, they always lose these arguments. The school of Shammai... <laughs> Uh, said that you should take one off. And they actually had all kinds of fairly good technical reasons for why that is the appropriate thing to do. And the school of Hillel just cut through everything, and they said, in matters of holiness, we always increase. And so that's why you added a light each night. You always increase the holiness. And so increasing the holiness, increasing the love, increasing the connection is what these holidays, to my mind, are all about. And then, you know, and they're connected to the solstice because once we get there, the days start getting longer, mm -hmm. you know, and we know that there can be, um, there can be light in its best sense ahead. And the... Um, I wanted to circle back to Doreen's idea of, you know, it's about love, but it's also about hope, provi helping mm -hmm. provide someone some sense of hope. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we sometimes say the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it occurs to me that the, the tunnel can seem really long if the light is, um, if the light is small. small. But the, that small light could be right next, the person holding the candle right next to you. So, um yeah, I think helping people have some sense of hope and that they're not alone in the dark um, is a massive thing because the darkness is isolating. You can't see what's right next to you. Yeah, it sort of increases that feeling of aloneness, which is the antithesis of what you are sharing, which is coming together in support. I think these have been wonderful stories, wonderful conversations, wonderful um, descriptions of opportunities to join the lighting of the candles at Beaver Pond, to go to the Federated Church or go to the United Methodist Church. They're both having the Christmas Eve traditional Sunday morning service, 10 a.m., and then, and then their evening right. service, which is candlelight and candle. Yeah, it's candlelight. Candle candle yeah, and candles. And, yeah, right. at, at we bowl. trust your kids with fire. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's an opportunity for someone that wants to be a part of something that there, it is welcome. You don't. This is an invitation. Yes. You don't need a, yes. a, a personal, this is the, the general invitation. And are these services uh, posted on the websites of of uh, all of your... They, they will be by the time this airs, yeah. The, 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 the Beaver Pond is just uh, in person, but we do have uh, services, including a Hanukkah service for uh, the, the that Shabbat, that Friday night, night before, uh, is available on the web. I mean, there all the services are posted on the website, but that one will also be available on Zoom and live stream. Oh, 
live Zoom, so it'll be happening yeah. then. Yes, not the Beaver Pond, but the Friday night. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. It's interesting how some of the things that came out of the pandemic we're still doing, yeah. taking advantage of. And, you know, this is... I think people generically now use the word Zoom differently than it yes. was five years. <laughs> to me, Zoom right. is a TV show. <laughs> uh, but um, it, 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 some good came out of all that, and I think that that's one of it. Uh, you know, churches, places of worship, schools, whatever it may be, continue to try to get their message out, and this is just another way to mm -hmm. do it. So I, I just find that interesting. Yeah. I think it also gives the person who is um, shy or hesitant said, okay, I'll, I'll join on Zoom. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get a sense of, of, of the ministry. I'll get a sense of what's mm -hmm. going on and, and grow in that comfort and then come in person. So mm -hmm. it, That it's they're a, not sure. It's a way yes. for, yeah. It, mm -hmm. It's another pathway. Yep. That's that's very good. That's a good point. That's what I was trying to say, but oh. I never got there. <laughs> uh, as we normally do at the end of our uh, our uh, shows here, we have one of our faith leaders kind of uh, give us a reflection or a devotion and... Uh, Pastor Jacob has kindly been volunteered <laughs> and, and assigned this task for today. So we'll turn it over to Jacob. So I wanted to share a, a portion of a song and a blessing. Uh, the blessing may, if you come to my Christmas Eve service, may, may, may sound familiar. <laughs> uh, but I found this song a few years ago. In other traditions, it's very familiar, but it was new to me. And the song is called Let Us Light a Candle. And the, it is a hymn that is uh, very much a Christian hymn. But I think the last verse speaks to everything we've talked about. So whether one is lighting the candles of a menorah or lighting candles uh, on Christmas Eve, um, this verse speaks to that, and I just want to read the lyric and then offer a very quick blessing. Oh, so come the on, lyric, sing it, sing. no, <laughs> no, you can't. And and people should know that this is the first time I've seen this happen in our show. Pastor Jacob has in front of him sheep music. That's right. <laughs> and, and I've been trying. Now it all makes sense because I've been trying to figure out what I was looking so at. So those that don't know, though, Pastor Do or Pastor Doreen is. Uh, a wonderful vocalist. She could <laughs> sing that for us. But the third, the third verse of this um, of this hymn goes: "Let us light a candle in the darkness, in the face of death, a sign of life, as a sign of hope where all seems hopeless, as a sign of peace in place of strife. For the light is stronger than the darkness, and the day will overcome the night." Though the shadows linger all around us, let, our let us turn our faces to the light. So I want to offer this blessing then to close us and just say, may God's love shine in the darkness of your lives, all of our lives during this holiday season, that you might see and sense the presence of the divine with you now and forever, that you might recognize the light 
and its nearness to you. And you might feel its warmth on the cold nights that lie ahead. Amen. 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 I think it, uh, and I hope some people get out of this show, what I would encourage people to do, because it is a tough time of the year for people. Then you add what's going on in the world, it's an even tougher time. If you sense a connection with any one of our faith leaders, reach out to them. You guys always Mm -hmm. offer your help. And, you know, Rabbi uh, Tom always says, come, you don't have to be Jewish, just come. (laughs) You know, so reach out and reach out to the Interfaith Council. I, yeah, I come, know. You don't have to be Christian. I would even go <laughs> yes. so, far, so far as to say, even if you don't feel a connection, but you just yeah. feel some amount of despair, mm. feel free to it, reach right. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, it, the, I don't know if we talked it, about it before we started recording. The um, fuel assistance program. We did. We did. Before we. No, no we, we spoke we, about it at, did, during this program. Okay. I'm a little slow, so so take advantage of that. Uh, helping out with the fuel assistance, we have the clothing drive. Lot going on, but it's a great time of year to be giving. And Rabbi Tom, again, the website. Uh, the website is FranklinInterfaith.org. You can go there once and do something on your computer, so it'll show up every time you want. That's what I've been told. So, thank, thank you, Jay. And uh, I would like to thank our faith leaders, Reverend Diane, Reverend Doreen Auten, mm-hmm. Rabbi Tom Alpert, and Pastor Jacob Yunker. Also, many thanks to Keith, who is our technician Yay. and makes the sound possible, and to Jay, who keeps us on track and provides <laughs> a sense of levity when it is needed, as well as wisdom and large vocabulary words. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which, Rabbi, you used one earlier, and I wrote it down. It's going to take me a better part of a week to figure this one. Monotheism. Monotheism. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I've got a project for the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. And thanks to Pandora. Thank you. And happy holidays to everybody. Happy Happy holidays. holidays. Yeah. And thank you for listening to the Franklin Faith Forum. Uh, For Pandora, Carlucci, I'm Jay Horrigan. Thanks again and happy holidays. Mm